All right. Y'all ready for the word this morning? If you are, say amen. amen. I pray that this series has been, uh, has been good for you. I pray that God has used the words from his word to penetrate your heart in this series. Uh, we will put a cap on this series called God Squad here. This is the final week, and I know you all are disappointed, but something good's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. And uh, don't forget we got the summer concert series we're talking about, right? we got things coming up. We're going to have guest speakers. We're going to have concerts in here. We're going to have stuff out there. All kinds of things happening in the summer. Pay attention to the church Facebook page. Pay attention to all of that stuff, all right? Um, be, be looking at all of that because you're going to want to be a part and you're going to want to come out for all of it, really. You're not going to want to miss anything that we have going on. Some things are happening outside of Sunday service. Some things are going to happen in Sunday service. It's going to be an exciting summer. It really, really is. We've got a lot of things on the calendar. We've got a lot of things going on. As you're hearing, every month we're going to kind of give you a snapshot of what's going on for that month. But that's just that month. There's more to come. There's more to come in July and August all the way through. So keep your eye. We are, we are a church on the move. We want to be first and first and out front and push Jesus out front and make sure people know where our church is and what we do and how we do it and all of that. All right? All right. So God Squad. We've been talking about uh, how the first squad, right, the first group of believers, the first church, uh, was was getting things going, and it's, that's found in the book of Acts mostly, um, and we'll be in the book of Acts, so you can kind of get your, your fingers ready, your, your pages open, your books open, your Bibles open to, to the book of Acts, we're going to be there, but we start talking about this first squad, right, and what is a squad? Just a group of friends, right, that kind of look out for each other, that pray for one another, that, that, that support one another, that, that help out, they don't, life doesn't exist on an island, right, the book of Acts and all through the Bible talks a lot about the one another's, right? We're there for one another. And the one another's all throughout the scriptures speak to that. Like we're not out, out there on an island, you know, just, I know there's a song called Me and God. Anybody familiar with the Southern gospel song, Me and God? Me and God. Nobody? Nobody? All right. Well, it's more than just me and God, right? We're part of a family. We're part of a greater family, the Christian faith. But then you kind of get a little microcosm of that and the local church. And I told you this before, that God uses the local church um, to accomplish kingdom work in certain areas throughout the world. And then collectively, kingdom work gets done around the entire world. So we're kind of the, the, the smaller version of the big squad that would be Christianity. We are the GSN squad here, affecting and infecting the, the, the local community, and really more than just the local community, through the, the live streams and all the things that we do uh, through the Church of the Nazarene even. But we are the, the God squad here in Hermitage, Pennsylvania, that affects and infects with the, with the power of the gospel here in our area, Right? So that's kind of where we are with this God squad. And we're in week four. And, and what, 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 are, what were some of the characteristics, right, that, that, that the God squad, that first church, that God squad, that, that started things off, right, and really changed the entire world some 2,000 years ago. And, if, and it's hard to even get my mind around that sometimes, that this small group of people, really it started with Jesus and his disciples, right, this tiny, even smaller group of people, uh, saw what they saw, heard what they heard, and then actually affected the entire world to today. These 12, basically 12 individuals and Jesus, he gave them the authority and the power, and we see the power come in the book of Acts, the power from on high. We're going to get into some of that, but that's like the first 
first first century church, the God squad that started it all, right? And it's really amazing to me that 12 men could really have that kind of impact. But as we'll see today, and as hopefully we've seen through this whole series, it wasn't just kind of up to them on their own, right? They had the power and the authority given to them by God himself, So it wasn't like, you don't have to be on your own saying, okay, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this Christianity thing. You know, when you receive Jesus, you also receive his power. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, this resurrection power, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. So you have that ability to go out and change your circle, your influence, your squad. All right, so we've been talking about that. And this week, week number four, we're going to talk about how to be authentic witnesses. Because that's what this first church was. How did they do it? What did they do? How did they get that sort of uh, even inkling to go out and be witnesses for him? Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 4 this morning. If you have it, say amen. If you're awake, say amen. If you're sleeping, say amen. Smarty, I knew that. I knew there'd be a few. I knew there'd be a few. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them. Now this is right before Jesus ascends into heaven, right? So Jesus being assembled together with them. Remember this is 40 days after the resurrection. This is the the 40th day. And then he ascends for 10 days and then the Holy Spirit came, right? So 40 plus 10 is how much? Oh, a few of you. A few of you. 40 plus 10 is 50, right? We celebrate what in the in the in the month of June? Pentecost, right? We start to think about when the Holy Spirit came. So 40 days, this is the 40th day, and then he ascended for 10 days, and they're praying, and the Holy Spirit came. So on the 40th day, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Again, that promise is the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And still they got off track, if you continue reading. They got off track a little bit, like what's he talking about? Remember, we have the benefit of hindsight. We we can read the scripture front to back. We kind of get it. We know what's coming. We know what was. They didn't have that advantage, right? They were hearing this live, in person, right now, in real time. So they said, so therefore, when they came together... They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's none of your business. He's, he's, very, he's much more polite than I would have been, Jesus. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He says, it's not for you to know. And that's a pretty amazing thing. That still goes for today, by the way. Uh, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And and Jesus says, here's what I'm trying to tell you guys. And remember when we get to the red word, we're going to say it together, right? Um, He says this, he says, you, but you shall receive power. I want you to notice those words. You shall receive power. Not you might, but you shall. You're going to get power. You're going to get this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so what's he saying? 
He's saying, listen, what I'm telling you right now is there's no doubt about this. There's no you might, there's no you could, there's no maybe. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says, you will or shall receive power. Not some will and some won't. You will receive power. Now this word power, I'm sure some of you have heard, this word power in the original language is the word dunamis. Dunamis, power. That's where we get our word dynamite. Power, that kind of explosive power that you are going to now have, not will, not maybe, not could, but shall, will have, you will receive this explosive power. But notice what he says, that you will be witnesses. You will be witnesses. He didn't say you will do witnessing, right? He said you will be a witness to me. You will be. Now the question is, are you a witness? Are you a witness that actually talks or not? Because he said you are a witness. So if you are a witness this morning, do you actually talk? Do you actually, are you a witness? If you've met Jesus, something has happened in your life. Something is transformed in your life, and you are a witness. He said you will be witnesses. Not you will go out and witness. Not you will witness to someone. You will actually be a witness. You with me this morning? But the thing is, can we get that witness, because you are a witness, can we get you as a witness to tell someone, about what has happened or are you going to take the fifth you're a witness you are a witness but are you going to say something are you going to act on that you are a witness he said you will be witnesses and shall power shall come and since i'm telling you that you are a witness because jesus said you shall be witnesses you will be point number one this morning what is a witness what is a witness Not go out and witness. You are a witness. You are. So what is a witness? What is a witness? My definition, or or, or a short definition really is, I hope you can see that, is someone who has seen and heard something and communicates his experience accurately. These two words, seen and heard. Someone who has seen and heard something and communicates his experience accurately. A witness. Now, this idea of seen and heard, you wouldn't believe how many times this little phrase, heard and seen, seen and heard, occurs throughout the scripture. And I don't have time to show all of them to you this morning. There's so many. Uh, But I want to show you a few and and show you a couple amazing people in the scriptures who are, are just witnesses. It's all they are. They're just witnesses. And the first one might shock you. The first witness is actually the son of God himself. When he came to this earth, Jesus was a witness of what he had seen the Father do and what he had heard the Father say. John chapter 3. John 3.31. He who comes from above, that's Jesus, is John the Baptist. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly. And speaks of the earth. But he who comes from heaven is above all. Verse 32, here it is. 
and what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. What he has seen and heard. He told the people that he'd seen and heard, and it changed the entire world. The shepherds. The shepherds were witnesses, right, at Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 2. Familiar scripture, we read it every Christmas season, right? Luke chapter 2. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. The disciples of John were witnesses. Jesus answered and said to them, this is in Luke 7.22, these disciples. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. Witnesses, what did you see? What did you hear? Go tell John the things that you had seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go tell John what you have seen and heard. You want one more? I'm glad you asked. We got one more. The disciples of Jesus themselves were witnesses after the resurrection. Remember, Peter and John heal a man at the temple gate called Beautiful. And then they take Peter and John and arrest them and throw them into prison. They beat him and they, they tell him, you guys have to stop testifying. That was their thing. They were speaking, they were preaching, they were out there telling what they had seen and heard. Stop testifying. Think about the word testify for a minute. Right? When you go to court, right, and you're a witness, what do you do? You testify, right? That's the word they use, the verbiage that they use. So they told Peter and John, y'all got to stop testifying. Shut your mouth. You're not providing, you're not necessarily healing, you're not necessarily doing all these things. The, word, the thing that they were concerned with the most, you got to shut your mouth. Stop testifying. And then Acts 4, they say this. <laughs> I love this. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I wish every Christian, every Jesus follower felt this way. That every Christian would say, I have to talk about it. I have to talk about what I've experienced. The greatest apostle who ever lived, the apostle Paul, he's in the scripture, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, one of the greatest, as far as us believers go, um, one of the greatest apostles that ever lived because he penned all those words. Now Paul is just a witness. When he's conveying how he got saved, this is what he says. He says, the angel said something to Ananias, who said to him, Acts chapter 22, he says this, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And then John writes, kind of to set the record straight, you see what had happened was, they were beginning to say things in the community, right? The, the, the Gnostics were saying um, there was Gnosticism going on. And one of the things that these Gnosticism beliefs really came to the, to the top was that Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh, right? And I don't have time to go into all the Gnosticism that was happening, but, but John, this is First John uh, chapter 1. This is how John starts out the beginning of First John. He says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes that which we have looked 
upon what our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested. And we have seen and bear, here's our word, witness and declare to you that eternal life, that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And that which we have, here it is again, seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Their witness was so strong because they were saying, guys, we saw him. We, we saw him. We heard him. We, we were there. Now you might be thinking, you know, that, that's great, Pastor. That's awesome. You know, but I wasn't alive, you know, then. And I, I don't know, we didn't see and hear the things that they saw and heard. We don't have that sort of benefit. We don't have that ex- firsthand experience. Well, let me tell you something. If you've met Jesus like I have, um, you know, I, I was in a room when I was about 24 years old. And I'm telling you, I saw him. And I heard him. Not in the natural, like I see you and, and hear you, but I knew that I knew that I met Jesus that day. My life was completely changed. I saw and heard. I had firsthand experience. I knew that I was completely different from that moment on. And so I'm a witness because I've met him. And you're a witness because you have met Jesus too if you're a Jesus follower this morning. You see, you've seen his glory. You've seen what he's done. I think sometimes the world is kind of throwing out our witness, right? Because we, we don't testify about what we personally have seen and what we see and have heard, what we, heard, what we hear. We kind of we go on what others have seen and heard. Well, did you see what happened over there? Did you see what happened to this person? How about, that's good stuff. Good stuff about stories about missionaries doing this stuff and seeing the stuff in other countries and seeing things happening. But we don't testify about what we personally have seen and heard. We have seen and heard things. If you've met Jesus, you've seen some things and heard some things that you can't explain in the natural. Right? As many Christians as I meet, and I hear it all the time, it could have only been God, right? You've seen and heard some things in your life. Not your neighbor, not your not, not your life. If you know him and you walk with him, you have seen and heard some things. And you know, if you give someone else's report, you know what that's, that's, that's called in court, right? It's called hearsay. You didn't see it. This is hearsay. You know what else it's called? Inadmissible evidence. It's not your first-hand account. You didn't see and hear it. You, you heard that someone heard, that they heard. That they, that... It's called hearsay. At least hearsay. In the church, sometimes it's called gossip. But we're not going to go there, right? We're not going to go there this morning. Not yet anyway. How many Christians are going around testifying about what others have seen and heard instead of what you? Again, we're talking about being a witness. Not witnessing, not saying we're, we're talking about you being a witness. That's what, word, that's what the word said, right? We read it. Is that what your Bible says? That's what mine says. Being a witness. It's an action word, right? It's a verb, being. You will be a witness. It's what you are. So let's say today you go out, you go out after service, right? It's all good. You go out after service and you go out with your family and friends and you come, you go to the restaurant and you know, you're sitting there and everybody's talking and you know, it's just a normal kind of thing. You're waiting to go to maybe into the restaurant and everybody's kind of sidetracked and looking like going into the place. And then all of a sudden you notice a light that changes, like a traffic light changes. 
and you see the red light, and you, and you kind of see it in your peripheral vision, and you just kind of look, but then you see a car blow the red light and smash into another car. You see it. It just happened. You know what color the light was, and then the policeman comes, and they, you know it's chaos, and they're assessing the situation. Of course, you're naturally going to go over and see if everyone's okay, and see what, but you saw it happen. And they're trying to assess, and everybody's okay, and the ambulance comes, and everyone's all right. But you stick around because you want to make sure everything's okay, right? And you, and you kind of, and the police comes over to you because you're standing there and you're looking at this, and he says, "Hey, did anybody see what happened?" And you gotta, you raise your hand, right? Well, I, I saw it. And oh, good. The police says that's good because we're going to need you to stick around because we're going to need a witness. So then maybe one day you have to go to court because you saw it. You were the witness. And you know the light wasn't red in the other direction. You know that it was red. And and you have to go to court. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you're going to be a witness to this scene, are you going to go to have to go to automotive school so you can testify, testify about how cars work and how brakes work and you can tell the police and whoever's... Are you going to have to go and tell them that? Are you going to have to go to traffic light school and learn how the lights work, when they change and when they don't? Are you, is that what they want from you? Do they want that information from you? They don't want that, right? Because they want to know what you saw and what you heard. Because you are a witness, What I'm trying to tell you this morning is there's a story that you could share in five minutes after you've met Jesus, after you get saved. No one would even have to tell you to share that story. It's the most powerful story you have in your life. You can be a witness. You can be a witness. So what does a witness look like? Here's the second point. A witness, first of all, doesn't argue. You saw it. You were there. This is really important. You don't have to argue with people to be a witness. All right? Some of you have to pull your feet in a little bit, but you'll have, you don't have to argue with people. Y'all know what pull your feet in, right? Because we're stepping on toes, right? Get, is the church awake this morning? You could just tell them what happened to you, what you have seen and heard. We could just tell what just tell them what happened. You know, you think of people in your past, right? You think of people maybe you haven't seen in a while, right? And you think, oh well, you know, I'm I'm a Christian now, but you know, they know me and I, they know how I used to run with them. And they know me a little bit of history, you know, they know. Maybe you go to a reunion or something like that, or a family or high school or something, you go to a reunion and you know you go and you tell them that you're a Christian, you go to church now. You you tell them even that. And their, their minds are blown, right? You? Oh, man. We used to run with you, man. We go places, and, and, and Brenda will share with them, you know, oh, my husband's a pastor. And some people are blown away. Wait a second. You have a T-shirt that someone made for me in the church, and it says, uh, I'm a pastor. Don't look so surprised. <laughs> it actually says it. You don't have to argue with people. Just tell them who you are and what your story is. So you know what, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I go to church, you know, every, every week and I read the Bible and it's, it's transformed my life. And if you're going to witness to someone, it's, it's real easy. I'll give you, I'll give you a little four-step uh, instruction this morning. Y'all ready? If you're, not, if you're a note taker, this is a good time to write something down. If you don't take notes, really, this is a really good time to write something down. 
I'll give you four steps, and I'm just going to call it salt. Salt. First of all, start a conversation. Just start a conversation. Anybody can start a conversation. How you doing? There's your, there's your start. And some people, man, they'll tell you. <laughs> they'll tell you how, you how they're doing. Next thing, ask questions. Ask questions. And then truly, really listen. Listen to what they're saying. Start a conversation, ask some questions, listen to what they're saying. And then finally, tell the story. Tell the story. And the story can be of Jesus and and God becoming man and dying for our sins. It doesn't have to be that intense, though, for you. It can be your story. Because you are a witness. It can be your story. Tell them your story, things that you've been through. The problem is, when we start, we don't, we don't get this S-A-L-T, we get the T-A-L-K. And we talk when we go witness. In other words, we step through talking, right? First thing we do is we start talking. We just start talking. We don't start a conversation, but we start talking. And then we start to argue, right? We say, well, well what do you mean you, you don't? And I think, and I should have, and you should, and I, we start to argue. And the next thing we do is we get louder. We get, there's the L, we get louder. And then finally, you know, after we get loud and we start trying to get our point across, well, then we, then we kick him. <laughs> Come on, somebody! <laughs> Instead of S-A-L-T, we T-A-L-K. And we start to kick him. And by kick him, I mean we start putting them down, right? And you should, and I don't, and you better, and I don't, I don't this, but you do this, and you shouldn't. That, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. So that's just, that's not the way to witness. But just start talking. Ask some questions. Listen to them. Tell them your story. And at some point when, they're, when, they're, when you're asking about their story, they're going to ask about your story. And we don't have to argue with people. We don't have to argue with people. One of the reasons I think we argue is because we get so hung up, hear me church, we get so hung up on the person's actions, what they're doing, and what we don't do. Or the person's beliefs. We argue with them about politics. We argue with them about whatever, they're, they're drinking, or they're, whether they're married or not, or living together, or this or that. We argue about these things. But the most important thing to tell them is that Jesus loves them. And he wants to change their life. Real wisdom here. This is, this is groundbreaking stuff. Sharpen your pencils. Make sure your pens are working. Here, I want you to remember this statement. I am not shocked when people sin. That doesn't shock me. And if you notice in the scriptures, it didn't shock Jesus either. When people sin, woman's caught in adultery, Jesus, whoa, oh, he didn't react. You mean humans do that? That wasn't his reaction. It didn't shock him when the woman had five husbands. Then none of this shocked Jesus, the reason is because God understands that people sin. He knows we sin. Not a popular word, not one that's used a lot today, right? But that's why he sent Jesus. That's the reason he sent Jesus to this world, is to die and pay the price for your and my sins. So I'll give you this wisdom, right? Here's the wisdom. You might even want to write this down too. You never forget what I'm about to tell you. You shouldn't get shocked when a sinner sins. All right, here we go. 
Dogs bark. Cats meow and plan your demise. <laughs> Sinners <laughs> sin. All right, let me give you another one. Hunters hunt. Liars lie. You got getting this now? A little participate, part, doing it together. So, so liars, golfers, who said lie? <laughs> Fishermen, fish. Come on, y'all. But sinners sin, and somehow we expect these sinners to know the rules. I remember the first time, you know, speaking of like knowing the rules, right? I remember the first time uh, we ever traveled outside the country. One of the first times we ever traveled outside the country. We were in, in the Bahamas. And, and we're kind of looking. We have no idea where we're going. We're, not, we're foreigners to this land, right? We don't know the rules. So we get out of the, of the, of the main area, right? And, and so we wanted to go to this other place down the road. And we said, how do we get there? And what we've been told was, make sure you take the 10 bus, right? Okay, the 10 bus. We'll take the 10 bus. Okay, so we go out into the, into the, into the, the island, and we're getting out, and we're mo- walking along the main pier, and we're coming across. And uh, we keep getting reminded, Ma- make sure you take the 10 bus, man. you got to take the 10 bus. Or we'll take the 10 bus. We're looking for the 10 bus. Where do we find the 10 bus? Or oh, right up the street around the corner, man. That right down the street around the corner is the 10 bus. We're like, cool. If we get on that 10 bus, we're going to get to where we need to go, right? So we come around the corner. I'm like, 10 bus. Me and Brenda are walking along. 10 bus. We've got to find the 10 bus. Bus with the number 10 on it, right? The 10 bus. We turn the corner and look up the street, and there's about 25 buses there. And they all had the number 10 on them. <laughs> and they're going in every direction. We're in the 10 bus. I'm like, all right, well, I guess we got to get in a 10. We, we choose a 10 bus, and we kind of tell the guy where we're going, and I don't know if he knew or not, but we get on the 10 bus full of people. I mean full of people. And when you thought it was full, there were more people. They were pulling seats out from under seats. They were flipping seats down from the windshield. I mean, seats were coming out of everywhere. I'm like, man. And then he pulls over, and there's a bus stop full of kids waiting to get on. And we're like this in this bus, this 10 bus. And we look over, I'm like, where are these? Where, Jim? Here they come. It's like every day. Hey, good morning. Yeah, man, getting on the bus. Here come the seats. Seats upon seats. And we, we, we don't know the rules, so we're in here, right? And, and the traffic, people are just everywhere. You know, you pull up to an intersection, there's like four lanes. There's like 12 cars and 17 mopeds, and horns are going off, and people are cruising, and it's just crazy. Why do you even have lanes? It's crazy up here. All these cars going everywhere, and no one stays in the lanes. They're going all over. Mopeds are flying up next to you, and little kind of ramshackle little bikes with motors on them, and piled with people, seats upon seats, whizzing by six, six cars in four lanes, and we're going down the road. No one's staying in the lane. And I'm thinking, man, I'll bet you guys have a lot of traffic accidents around here. He's actually, we don't have any. You know, people just kind of know. You know the, the leader in car wrecks, the country? <laughs> America. And I got to thinking, like, why don't they have these car wrecks? And, because you don't, you're not expected to stay in your lane. 
Other countries, they don't expect you to stay in that lane. The lanes are more of a suggestion. But they know you're not going to stay in that lane, so they're watching for you. Right? They're watching. They're always watching, and they know something can happen. But you know, fast forward into our country, right? Somebody comes in our lane, and we're shocked. We're shocked. Hey! It came into my lane. What if they start to get too close to your car? You know, hey, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You're coming to my lane. I saw you, the horn. And then they kind of cut in your lane, and you go... They try to come in. You don't let them in. You give them the look, right? Right? You go by them. I know. I've seen you. That happened to me one time, right? I gave the guy this look, right? And then a little while, I gave him a look. And then my cell phone rings. Pastor, did I do something wrong? Oh. Don't give church people a look. <laughs> Just kidding. But don't give church members a look, right? But the reason, here's the reason. You don't argue with people, right? They're, that's their culture. That's what they do. They zip in, they zip out, they don't have lanes. But here we argue. That's the point. Like here we're like, get out of the, hey, this is my lane. This is how we do things. But over there, they're just kind of expecting it. So we don't argue with people. We don't argue with sinners. Sinners sin. What, what, and, and, and there's a song too that was written a few years ago called, um, I think it's called Songs That Answer Questions. It's, and it talks about, Stop arguing about things that no one's really asking anyway. Stop it. What matters right now? Do you know Jesus? I want to tell you some things that I've seen and heard. Something that I've experienced. I I was there. You see, a witness doesn't argue. A witness just tells the story. A witness just tells a story. And so... I got something for you all this morning. Can I get like three or four people up here real quick to help pass some things out? And I never know how many to get, but everybody that would like to take one can. Look at this. Wow, bam, here they are. Dave, was that before kids or after? After they left? Okay. So I have 70 of these. There's 80-some in this room. Maybe take one per family, something like that. We'll wing it. Make sure everybody gets one. Pass them around. Now, these are little lead fishing weights. Little lead fishing weights. There you go. And the reason that we only have, we cleared them out. (laughs) That's all they had on the shelf. (laughs) So we could get what we could get. But everybody get one. And, And just, you know, pass them down, pass them around, however you want to distribute them. But you have this little lead fishing weight. A little heavier than it looks, right? Those cups were like, hey, wait a second. And and I know many of you are thinking like, oh, he's going to, we're talking about witnessing, right? And he's going to talk about, you know, that verse in the Bible that says, be fishers of men. This is a little fishing weight, right? And you take this with you and you're like, oh, every time you think of witnessing, it's be fishers of men. It's not really that thought out. (laughs) That's not why. Everybody gets their fishing weight, Keep it in your pocket or your purse. Take it with you. Keep it around where you, where you know you'll see it. And the reason you all got a fishing weight, a lead fishing weight this morning is, you know, we're talking about being a witness, right? Thanks, y'all. All right, we did okay. If anybody wants one after service, didn't get one, please let me know. We got a couple left. 
but you want to put one in your purse or your pocket. And the reason you have this little lead fishing weight, don't chew on it, right? Don't, don't keep it around your, we're so sensitive about the lead and all, right? Just don't. Because many people have told me through the years that they don't witness unless they feel lead. So put this in your pocket or your purse and the next time an opportunity arises, you want to feel that in your pocket and say, oh, I feel lead. And then go ahead and witness to them. Because now you've, you get it. You are a witness. Don't come to me saying, I just didn't feel led, Pastor. I'll give you another one of these. Well, go ahead and touch this here. And now you feel led. Now go out and tell them your story. That's all you have to do is tell them what you've seen and what you've heard. Oh, Pastor, I don't know the Bible. I don't know this. I don't know that. Five minutes after I was saved, I couldn't wait to tell somebody. I didn't know nothing from nothing, not born in church, not raised in church, never been to a church. But I knew that I had seen and heard and things were different for me. If you've had that experience with Jesus, where you've seen and heard some things, you don't have to have all the knowledge in the world. You don't have to have all of the education. You don't have to have the fancy degree. Just tell them what you've seen And what you've heard, you're a witness. Just like in court, you're a witness. They want to know what you saw. Not what you heard, not what somebody else heard they saw. They want to know what you saw and what you heard. And how your life is different because you know Jesus. Amen? Would you stand this morning? As we close, I really want you to sort of take these words that you've heard and ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me this morning, Holy Spirit? We've talked a lot about how simple it is, right, to just talk to someone about Jesus. Just tell them what you've seen and what you've heard. But maybe this morning you're saying, Pastor, I don't, I don't remember an experience like that. I give the example of me in a a room saying, you know what, uh, I saw and heard and I was changed and I was different. You say, Pastor, I don't remember an experience like that. You've been coming to church for a long time, but maybe you've never actually physically met Jesus. (laughs) Maybe you can say, well, Pastor, I've come to church. I was raised in the church. I was born on the piano. I was raised in church. My grandma was a Christian. She prayed. My mama was a Christian and she prayed. That doesn't make you a Christian. You're not a Christian because your grandma was, because you were born in church. The only thing that makes you a Christian is you believing that Jesus died for your sin and that he rose again on the third day. That makes you a Christian. So if you've never had that sort of experience, you've never said... Jesus, I believe. I mean, I've gone to church. You know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. About when you know about Jesus, that's hearsay. 
But do you know Jesus? Because someday, at the end of this life, you're going to stand before holy God. And it's sort of a courtroom situation. And he's the judge. And you're going to stand before holy God. And he's going to look at you. And you're going to give an account for your life. And you're going to say, well, my grandma and my mama and I was around the church and I, was, I, I heard that somebody talked about Jesus one time and, and I saw somebody um, fall down and accept Jesus and they surrendered all and they didn't drink or smoke or chew or go with girls that do anymore and I saw that all happen. I saw it happen. You know what he's going to say? Well, that's hearsay. And it's inadmissible evidence. He's going to say, what did you see? What did you hear? Not what did so-and-so. He's going to say, what about you? And if there's any doubt in your mind this morning, whether you're here or online, if there's any doubt at all in your mind, the Bible says that you can know that you are saved. You don't have to doubt. You say, I haven't had an experience like that, Pastor. I don't even know what you're talking about. I've been around church, I know about Jesus, I know about God, but I don't know him firsthand. What have you seen? What have you saw? What have you heard? So if you would bow your heads this morning, you don't have to leave here with any doubt. You don't have to leave here the same as you came in this morning. And I don't really put much stock in or care much if you have been around church or around Christians your entire life. That's inadmissible evidence when it comes to a holy God. God's going to say, what about you? And so if that's you this morning and you say, Pastor, I, this, I need to settle this. This is, I need to settle this in my heart. I've never really actually believed for myself. I've never actually surrendered my own life to serve him. Pastor, I've never actually made that commitment. I'm going to ask you that this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed. We're not judging, we're not looking around, but I do want to lift you in prayer. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I am not sure, I do not know. The Bible says you can know. It's as easy as A, B, C, as they say. Admit that you've sinned. And if you're walking around this earth for any length of time, (laughs) admit that you're a sinner. The B is believe that Jesus died for you and your sins. And you can be forgiven. And the third thing is C, is confess. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord in your life. If you need to settle that this morning, I don't want to, I would be remiss if I did not give you the opportunity to do that here this morning. If you need to settle it, admit that you've sinned, believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, and then confess. And by confessing, all you need to do is say, Pastor, that's me. Slip your hand up this morning and say, Pastor, that's me. I need you to pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. I haven't served him. I've been around church. I know about him, but I don't know him. I need to know him. If that's you this morning, don't leave here the same as you came in and you're not promised tomorrow. Settle it today. If that's you this morning, just put your hand in the air and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to settle it. I need to settle it. If you were saved, maybe at an early age, but you're not actually living for him this morning. 
and you want to make that further commitment. You say, you know what, Pastor, I've been, I've been saved. I, I knelt at an altar. That was me. But Pastor, I need Jesus this morning. I need to commit myself to him. I need to commit to serving him. I am a witness and I need to go tell somebody. And you might have been born in the church and you might have actually come forward in a service or, or accepted Christ at some point, but you haven't been living for him. You haven't served him. That's another opportunity you have in a service like this that we'll pray for you. And you say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Same thing. Just, just kind of raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need to live for Jesus. I'm not living for him now and I need to commit. Father God, as we continue to pray this morning and close out our service, our time together in your house, God, I pray for those who want to share, they just don't know how. And God, I pray that we look at the words in your word that tell us that we are a witness, not that we are to witness or be witnessing, but we are a witness. God, give us the wisdom and the words to say, God, provide us opportunities. Lord, in a, in a dark world, as we walk out this door, Lord, you know there are endless opportunities to tell people about you. And all we need to do, God, is tell what we have seen and what we have heard. God, give us the courage to do that. We can change the world around us. Our loved ones, Lord, who we want to spend eternity with, it doesn't have to be a stranger at a restaurant or a, 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 a stranger somewhere else. Lord, to God, it, it could be someone that we know and we love and we talk to every single day. But God, the subject has never come up. Well, Lord, provide opportunities for us to tell our story. Help us to be the witnesses you have called us and empowered us to be through your Holy Spirit. God, we give you the praise this morning for meeting us here. God, we are thankful for this group of young people that had the guts and the courage, Lord, and the desire to serve you and minister to to us in song and, Lord, to lead us in worshiping you. We're thankful, Lord, that we have a group of kids, a group of young, another generation, God, right below ours that, that, Lord, want to serve you and show up here, Lord. And these children, these kids, these young teens, God, they are building our church here so that we can build your church here locally and globally, God. These things that these young people are learning now and and putting in their hearts, God. I pray for every single one of them, Lord, that you might give them the courage to continue on serving you, Jesus. So that even they, Lord, they accepted you as Savior. They are saved. Even they can be witnesses to their friends in school, their friends that they'll see through the summer, their family members that they love so much. God, your, your word didn't put an age restriction on who is a witness. So God, from the youngest of the young to the eldest in this church, in your house, God, might we be collectively and individually the witness that you've called us to be in your word. We don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it in our own power. We thank you for the Holy Spirit 
God, it's no accident that the book of Acts, it was when their Holy Spirit is recorded to have come upon your people. And then all of a sudden, this seen and heard witness account activity is going on all throughout this first century God squad. God, give us the courage to be these witnesses. I thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're about to do in our lives, God. A lot of us are feeling this morning like like we're in your house. We're getting equipped. We're getting prepared to go out into the world, into our mission field, which is right outside these doors. And we're kind of like that horse that's at the horse race in in the starting gate, waiting for the service to be over and the doors to open so that we can go out of here with a charge, Lord, and witness and be the witnesses that you've called us to be. Help us, Lord, to influence the world for Jesus Christ. God, we will not take the credit and we will give you the glory. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do through your people, your witnesses. And Lord, as we leave this place, may we not depart your presence. and Bring us back as often as, Lord, you would have us to gather together. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, and it's for his sake. And the church said amen and amen. God bless you all.